0: Well, good morning or afternoon or evening, whatever it is you're watching this. Here we are again to uh, have a look in our uh, Bibles at our study in the book of Revelation. And then uh, welcome to all those watching, those Christian Coffee Time and others. Uh, my name's Paul, and they call me Pastor Paul. Nonetheless, here we are. We're going to have a look at some stuff here in Chapter 12. This is the 26th video and we're just taking a um, kind of an overview and just delving into a few things as we go along to to give an idea of the structure of the book of Revelation and how things unfold and the whys and wherefores and all that. We've been looking at the Bible and it is the Word of God and we're taking it as the final authority on any matter. When we look at these things, if we uh, come up across something that we've maybe been taught or whatever, if it doesn't jive with the Bible, we have to set it aside. Okay, we're going to set that out. So, um, make sure you have some uh, writing material to copy down references and the things that we talk about. You probably don't have a good enough memory to recall all these things that we touch on would be a very rare thing, so jot it down for yourself for future reference. Uh, one of the laws of the teacher is repetition. You go and repeat things over and over again before we move on to new, new uh, 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 material, and you must do that yourselves, continually reading the Bible and going through your notes and stuff that you've learned to go back over it. You'll find it's a great help for yourself. Let's just have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we just thank you now and we pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. Lord, you guide us and you'll help us to understand these things and be encouraged by these things. Thank you for this glimpse into the future here, Lord. And Lord, may it just cause us to, well, it will affect our lives here today. Lord, we would be more zealous for you, you know, there to, to tell people about the Savior. Lord help us now. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Well let's get going. Um, chapter 12, you have your Bibles uh, ready there. And uh, I call this chapter an introduction into chapter 13. It's not really a fair way to do it because that just makes well it's less than something else. It's not at all. This is just essential information. If we jump right into chapter 13 without this chapter you wouldn't have some of the information needed to understand the what and the why it's taking place or will take place. Remember these are future events. If you go back to Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 to 27 it tells about the seventy weeks of Daniel which are seventy sevens in the Hebrew. These are uh, seventy groups of seven years each for a total of 490 years. You'll notice that the the seventieth week, the last one, in verse twenty-seven there in Daniel, talks about uh, um, where the uh, we call the Antichrist or the Beast that is called in chapter thirteen. He's made a covenant with Israel and uh, um, made a false peace on the earth, and that's fallen apart already. But in the midst of that seven uh, years, he he turns on everybody and he wants to be worshiped himself that's what we're approaching here chapter 13 is that midway point where we see the antichrist standing up and wanting to be worshiped so this is a background for that some of the things that happen it's a, we have a scene of things in heaven we get looking into the spiritual right here where chapter 13 goes back down onto the earth and looks at from an earthly standpoint this is more of a uh, the spiritual standpoint, looking into the supernatural realm and stuff, if we can put it that way, an introduction into 13. Now the seventh trumpet has been sounded, so um, you know that with the seventh trumpet, it, that's the third woe, the terrible woe to come upon mankind. Now the trumpets, we know, are part of the wrath of God, and the, and the vials, or the bowls, are the uh, uh, second part of the wrath of God the seals themselves are not the wrath of god don't get that mixed up some people get that mixed up and then they're mixed up all the way through and just take the bible for what it says <clears throat> excuse me the third roll, the dragon the devil uh, will be uh, um, focused upon the earth and his wrath and his man and it's his time to rule god gives him this um, he doesn't have uh, much time left. And as we look at that and consider that for a moment, there will be a lot of what I call rabbit trails. We're going to look at other portions of scripture and other topics. When you look at, and maybe instead of turning there, I'll just mention it and you can write it down and look at it later. When we look at the devil, he wants to be worshipped, okay? There was a great jealousy when God created and made the earth and all the creatures and everything, and then he puts man made in his image to rule over it. We see the devil upon the scene there, and there's um, some great jealousy and envy, and uh, from that we see there's his rebellion and so on and so forth. There's an interesting thing in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, there are what's called the I-wills of the devil, he says, I will be worshipped, I will be like the Most High, and I think there's five of them there. Um, It's interesting to read those, he says, I'm going to do this, and I am going to be, and all that sort of thing, well, God's going to give him that chance. In the, some people call it the tribulation time, I like to call it the 70th week of Daniel, Okay, from the prophecy of Daniel back in chapter 9. Um, he's going to be given that time, In the especially the latter half of it. I mean, he's been revealed in the first half. He saw him as the rider on the white horse. Now he's going to be seeing uh, the Antichrist right there, the beast is coming. But look up that Isaiah 14, verse 13, the I wills of the devil. He says he wants to worship. And you know, that's what's taking place today in our world today, is drawing people to himself. And it'll mention it here as we look through how he deceives the whole world. It doesn't say how he deceives. We know how he does that. But he does, deceives the whole world. Tricks them and such. We look at that. So we see, first of all, in chapter 12, <coughs> excuse me, I got a bit of a tickle on my throat. Uh, there's two... Uh, signs mentioned here and we call them signs because you see that word wonder there's a great wonder in heaven that word wonder means it has the idea of it being a sign it's shown to people okay it's shown and it's shown to us right here so first of all these two contrasting things take place and uh, there's a lot of controversies with this first one so let's have a look at that not a lot but there's there's some people that don't get it Um, there's a great wonder in heaven first of all he says a woman Clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Let's just look at this for a minute. Uh, She's about to give birth. Now, some people say, well, this is Mary, the mother of Jesus, going to give birth to Jesus. But it's not Mary, okay? You've got to remember, it's not Mary. This is Israel. You have to remember the context is everything, okay? And context here shows us what's taking place in chapter 12. What's taking place in this whole section of Revelation? Some say, well, this is past events. Well, is it really? Well, that means that Jesus Christ had to have come to the earth, where is he? It didn't happen, it's future yet, okay? It's future stuff. Mary isn't gonna be on the earth in the future like that. She's not gonna be there in the tribulation time and stuff. This is about Israel, keep that in mind, Um, because that's that's who this is. Oh, we're going to look at well there was a couple other things we we're going to look at well if you're jotting things down you can go to at some point uh not right now but later on go to zechariah chapter 5 and you'll see about this woman worship and stuff like that and what the lord calls it he calls it a wickedness and there's a thing for the end times where there's going to be this woman worshipped at the end times and so on and so forth jeremiah 44 15 to 19, one of the problems with Israel and the Jewish people at that time were that they had gone away from God, gone away from the God of Heaven and they had idols and such. And they had a thing where they, and it talks about it there in Jeremiah 44 that the women were worshipping the Queen of Heaven, as Mary is called by some today, the Queen of Heaven. She's not to be worshipped. And they're baking cakes to uh, um, Tammuz and that. You know that's where you get your hot cross buns today? Yeah, that little T on there, that's where it comes from, folks. Um, some people say, well, oh, really it taste good, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying, that's where it comes from. But you look at Zechariah chapter 5 in there, and I read mean, through that in Jeremiah 44, 15 to 19, about the Queen of Heaven. Um, Mary is not the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Did not Mary say to the Lord, Jesus, my God and my Savior, or something like that? I recognized Him as God. That then shows her, her recognizing herself as a sinner and identifying with mankind. Okay? Mary is not a co-redemptress. It's just not in the Bible. It's not the way it is. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Okay, That's what it is. This is not Mary this is Israel. Mary will not be upon the earth at that time. Mary will not be um, protected and and, and Mary will not flee into the wilderness here in this future thing here and all that. It's about the remnant of Israel. We'll we'll get to that. that, It's important to see that. Um, We see this woman clothed with the sun. Uh, The brightness there, the brightness of God's presence, God's with him. Is The Jewish people are God's chosen people. In the Bible it calls uh, Israel the wife of, of uh, uh, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh. Uh, we won't get into that, that's a whole other uh, topic, but God himself, um, clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. It's interesting that in nature there's pictures of things. Things mean things, colors mean things. Numbers mean things. The moon is an interesting study, we won't get into it fully here, perhaps sometime we'll do a whole separate series on the pictures in nature. You know, the, uh, the moon is a picture of the church, the believers. The moon has no light of itself, it's a dead orb, a dead planet if you put it that way. Okay? We have no light ourselves that we shine from ourselves. The moon shines from the sun. The sun itself is a picture of Christ in this world, and he's gone down, and it goes off the scene. The moon is there to shine in the darkness in the night. The night is a picture of Christ gone off the earth. But He's, and the believers are left here, They're shining. But it's a fascinating study, but we won't get into that right now. Some things for us to look at. And the stars, the 12 stars, likely the apostles is referring to. Uh, we have uh, later on... When the description, I think it's chapter 20, a description of, of, the, the, of heaven itself, and John takes us on a, on a walk through and he shows us the outside gates and such, and the names of the apostles on the, on the, the, all, all around in the gates and the, all that kind of thing. We'll get to that later. So it has to do with Israel. Okay? Israel is the one that's going to be uh, persecuted here uh, primarily. At this point, you know, uh, at this point, believers have been taken up, okay? And so you had the 144,000, remember, that were to go through this trumpet time of the wrath of God to witness and minister and all those kind of things, okay? Um, Where are we at here? And she being with child cried, travailing in pain, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. It was a difficult, difficult thing for Israel, but it was God's plan for All those things to work together, and all those things to bring together. Everything worked down through the years, through the centuries, to that one specific time when God would come into this earth. God would redeem uh, the earth. As a, um, way back in Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen, you will read that is a reference to the Lord and, and the promise of the of the Savior coming. Mary is not. Uh, um, um, uh, in this picture, it's Israel, okay, and it's a victor's crown that, that this the woman has—a victor's crown. We read about crowns. We get to looking at the description of the devil. It's a different kind of crown. Um, this woman is wearing this crown of twelve stars, but the crown refers to uh, um, a victor's crown—somebody that has won a contest. It's a recognition for some uh, um, success, some victory, okay. Like in the old uh, um, days of the uh, Colosseum and such, when they had their games and that, the victors were given that laurel wreath. That was uh, the same crown here, that Stephanus crown. Okay, that's what this woman has here: a victory, has won something, has overcome something. Okay. Note, she flees into the wilderness for three and a half years, hiding from the dragon. Okay. Um, we'll get to that. Now she's with child. Verse two. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Okay, so you have these two wonders. As John says this first wonder, this this woman uh, clothed with the sun and the, the moon under her feet. The, you know, the moon being a picture of the church. As I said, we are come out of Israel, the Jews. Now, don't misunderstand that. I'm not saying the church is is New Israel or anything like that. But our... our Bible was penned by primarily uh, Jewish writers, right? As the Spirit of God moved upon them. We have a connection with Israel. Jesus Christ was a Jew. Our Savior, our Lord, was a Jew, the human part of Him. He was a Jew. Let's get going here. Oh, there's all kinds of references I want to go to, but I think I'll just uh, leave some of that aside for right now. And let's get going on. The second wonder in heaven here we see, um, and, and it's in heaven. So John sees in the in the heavens or in heaven. Okay. Let's have a look here. In heaven. Um, well, yeah, that, okay. I'm just getting mixed up here. I'm just trying to think about where to go next. Let's just carry on. So we have this wonder, this sign, another one. Now, is a great... And that word great there means uh, mega, means huge, okay? Red dragon. Um, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 2, it says, uh, the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil. So a little bit, nobody can be, um, have a misunderstanding there. That red dragon he's talking about is the devil himself, Satan himself, okay? And he has on his... He has seven heads. It says, Dragon with seven heads and ten horns. Later on you'll see those things being described or explained a bit. It just has to do with the divisions and some of the things that are going to happen um, later on. We won't get into that right now, but I just want a description of the the thing itself right here. But keep note, when you see seven heads and ten horns, as it's mentioned in through the Bible, you know who that is, okay? And it's the enemy of God, the enemy of all people, and uh, um, he has seven crowns. Now these crowns are different from the one the woman has on. Okay, that was a, a victor's crown. This one's a diadem. Is someone who's ruling, or someone has this uh, um, uh, this idea of them uh, um, going going to have a a rule or a period of time, and that's exactly what's going to happen here. The devil himself is going to rule upon the earth. How would you like to be here at that time? That would be terrible, eh? He doesn't rule today. God's just going to give him, go have at it. there you go bud, go for it. But he's still, God still has him on a leash. He can only do what God says, but he is going to, it's going to be terrible for people upon the earth at that time. Um, But he has this crown. Uh, Revelation 13, 1 shows us that. Daniel chapter 7, I think it is verse 7, you can check that out too. Verse 4, we get to his tail, now it says his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. That word drew right there is an interesting word, it has the idea of dragging something. Maybe something against their will. Uh, A lot of people say, well, this is a reference to the fallen angels where Satan, Satan, took one-third of the angels with him. They followed him in his rebellion. Well, there's a problem with that because this, as we're reading it right here, is future from us right now, eh? It's not happened yet. But Satan's rebellion has happened. So, you see, that doesn't really hold up. So it can't be the fallen angels, the unholy ones. Okay, It can't be that. But we do have a reference in Daniel chapter 12 to 3 about... um, those that uh, um, that witness and stand for the Lord will shine as the stars forever, and all that kind of thing. Perhaps it has something to do with that. Um, I just don't know. I, 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 I'm not going to say what it is. I say, well, perhaps it's that. Perhaps it's something else that we just don't know about. But is it the, referring to the rebellion of the, of the devil? No, that took place a long time ago, and we'll get to that later on to watch my time don't I wow the first I like, get 25 minutes before my camera kicks out and I have to reset it so we've already taken 20 and we haven't hardly got going here all right so we see his tail of such These so many ways that he causes destruction and that's what he's all about death and destruction and it says here in verse 4 that he stands before the woman Okay. now this is a looking back in time isn't it okay but it's looking at it from a, a spiritual perspective, and you could say these things are like pictures uh, describing some event. Um, he stood before the woman to devour her child, this Jewish child that's brought forth from Israel, from out of the the, the lines, uh, uh, lineages of different ones down through the through the through the years, and there he is now. He wants to destroy him. You know, you go back to Moses. Remember when um, the pharaohs wanted to kill all the male children. Okay? Uh, the devil trying to destroy that line from which Christ would come. Even when Jesus was born, remember the, uh, the wise men came from the east and such, and Herod the king at that time in that area, wanted to know uh, where Jesus was, because he was. they called him the king of the Jews, so he was all upset because there's another king now, I've got to get rid of him. And she so wanted to know where he was, and they got away from him and so on and so forth. You know the rest of the story, that he went, that Herod went, went in that area and killed all of the male children of two years old and under. It's the devil trying to devour, trying to destroy that line of Christ. He's not going to be able to do that, is he? He doesn't get something. Maybe it's just arrogance or something, I don't know, but uh, he doesn't understand when God says and God does things. I think he does, he's just rebellious. but. It'll be done. But uh, we see those things. You, the line of the Messiah was not going to be stopped, but he looked to devour the child, to put a stop to that. In verse five, she brought forth her man-child. And now you gotta remember that this isn't going on in a chronological sense here. This is just kind of a pause in time and giving us a whole bunch of uh, information about some things that have happened, things that will happen then it'll get back into time as it were um, at chapter 13 to so where, where are we at here um, oh yeah, the man child to rule all nations well you know that Jesus Christ will rule when he comes back he's coming back for that you say well I don't believe in that you, you might see this happen yourself you could be one of these ones upon the earth at that time You know you're a sinner, you know in your heart that the problem is sin, that's a problem. God sent His Son, God came down to this earth to on a man's body to give Himself as a sacrificial offering, as a sacrificial lamb in the place of sin. You see, sin demands there must be bloodshed and a death taking place. That's how horrible our sins are because they're against God. He's infinitely holy. And Jesus Christ, who is infinitely holy, took the price, paid for the price. And you know this in your heart anyways. You know this when you hear these things. Died on the cross of Calvary, was buried in the tomb, and rose from the dead on the third day. And God says, if you will accept, if you will receive, if you will trust in, if you will put your faith in my son, Jesus Christ, I have shown you, I have defeated death. I have paid for sin and shown you that Jesus Christ is the son of God by him rising from the dead. Amen. Hallelujah, he's alive, and anybody can be saved. And he's coming back to to change this world, get rid of the world system as it is now, and set up his own rule upon the earth. And he will rule. He's the Lord. It's been decreed. He's coming. And it could be sooner than we think. So we see he's going to come back, now that word rule right there in verse 5 has the idea not of rule as we think like our government rulers and stuff today, it's the idea and the word to shepherd, like as a shepherd looks over and cares for and watches his sheep. Now that's an interesting thing, that's how God does things, and Christ is going to do that, he's going to shepherd the earth, he's going to rule over it, yet with a rod of iron, he says. But isn't it too bad that uh, we don't have that kind of a rule today? Uh, we have a rod of iron sometimes, and you see around, and governments want to do that. But that shepherding idea to feed and to care for and to watch over, to make sure that everything's okay. And it says in verse 5 that her child was caught up to God and to his throne. You read Acts chapter 1. Jesus ascended right up. There he is right there at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding praying for the believers. He's not praying for the unsaved. The Spirit of God is dealing with them. Uh, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for the believers, praying for you and me today. Isn't that something? That's amazing. We get to verse 6. The woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness. Now remember, this is all future yet. So when, uh, uh, these things come about, the dragon, he's going to do some things here, and, and Israel is going to flee into the wilderness, a place that God has prepared for her to be looked after. Now, will it be all of them, a the remnant? It gets a little bit hard to understand here. I was just going over this earlier. So we see Israel fle- fleeing into the wilderness, and yet, well, when we get to it, we'll uh, reference it. Um, some say it's a place called Petra. I don't know if it is or not. I'm not Versed and that sort of thing. But it says that the woman fled into the wilderness and she's, this is verse 6, a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. That's three and a half years. Okay? So there you go. You got your seven seven year period. Some, Some call it the tribulation. Tribulation is actually just that first bit in the seals. Um, the seven year period, the 70th week of Daniel, go read Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. This is that last week, that last bunch of years, seven years together. What's half of seven? Three and a half. That's where we are here. Chapter 12 is introducing that second half of that seven years, the midpoint. The midpoints at that seventh trumpet has sounded. This woe is going to come upon the earth. And he's saying that Israel will be protected. The devil will not be able to eradicate, will not be able to get rid of Israel, will not be able to get rid of the Jewish people, will not be able to get rid of any of that trust in Jesus Christ. But remember, this is a midway point. The uh, the remnant will be protected during the, uh, the dragon's rule, the antichrist rule. Now it shifts. Um, shows us who the players are here. And now let's see what, uh, else, what else will take place. Verse 7, and there was war in heaven. You know, all around us, as we read our Bibles, we understand we don't see the supernatural realm. But remember in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was being stoned. He looked up and he said he saw heaven open. And he saw the Lord Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He got a glimpse into the supernatural realm, as it were. As, you know, if you call it that. There's a war in heaven. Back in Daniel chapter 10 when Daniel prayed and he fasted for three weeks about the things that were of uh, concern on his heart, the messenger that comes to him, um, the, uh, I think it was a Gabriel, I can't remember, came to him and said that, oh, it doesn't tell us it was Gabriel. The messenger from God that comes to him after the three weeks says, from the first day that thou didst chastise thyself, and so on and so forth, you were heard, Daniel, and I have come to answer. He says he was hindered by the prince of Persia. And uh, uh, there was what we see is that even prayers are hindered. The enemy of the souls of individuals, the enemy of God, the devil, and his unholy hordes want to even stop prayers and have an effect there and there's war in heaven all the time and things taking place all the time that this one was we go read it daniel chapter 10 it's in there about this battle that took place that the prayer the answer to the prayer of daniel would be held off and it was held off for three weeks before they got to him it's fascinating when you read it go read it um so we see that war in heaven will be Michael and his angel now. There are some around, some cults and stuff say, well, Jesus is Michael the archangel. Well, you've got a big problem there, buddy, because uh, Michael is a created being. Jesus is not. Jesus is the son of God. The Bible says God manifests in the flesh. Matthew chapter 1 says Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. God is not a created being. Anyway, we don't have to defend that. Uh, we don't have to go over that. It's Michael the Archangel is one of the top angels. Arc means arcade. He's over. He's one of the top guys. Michael and his angels, the holy angels, fight against the devil and his group. Okay? So that's what's going to take place. You picture that in heaven. That's going to take place. In uh, verse 7, it says there, the dragon fought and his angels, unholy ones. Verse 8 and the devil prevailed not okay that word prevailed not means to prevail means to be strong to be powerful so it's showing us that he was not powerful enough and he was not able and will not be able to overcome michael and his angels prevail they are strong and they are stronger Today the devil has access to the throne room of God. Okay. Remember this what we just read in verse 7 and 8 there. That's a future event. Today the devil has access to the throne room of God. What does he do? He's called the accuser of the brethren. You go back to Job and you'll read in chapter 1 of the book of Job about how um, Job chapter 1 verse 6 and how the sons of God came before the Lord. That's the angels and messengers and those that did his bidding stand before him and the devil came as well and God and the devil had a conversation and the devil is accusing Job and he accuses you and me. We do things sometimes that we ought not. We have attitudes, we have wrong thoughts. We might do certain things. We might we'll call it what it is, sin. And if any man sin, being a believer, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I like to think of it this way Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's sitting there beside the Father. The right hand, in the Bible, the right hand, the right arm signifies a place of power. And Jesus certainly has that place. He paid for our sins on the cross of Calvary. When I do something stupid, when I do something, when I. Sin, we all sin, we shouldn't, we don't have to, but you understand that. I like to think of it this way, the Lord Jesus reaches over and puts his hand on the Father's arm and says, I paid for that, and indeed he did. Whatever our faults, sins, transgressions, iniquities are that we commit from day to day, maybe a thought, whatever, it's all sins against god but jesus christ paid for it all on the cross of Calvary. but the devil wants to accuse you wants to accuse you before god and he wants to have us in our minds saying, oh look at how stupid look at how unworthy i am look what i've done you get yourself to the lord don't you run away from him if you find yourself in a bad situation or a wrongful situation or whatever You run to the Lord and say, Father, Jesus Christ, look at what I've done. I have done this. You confess your sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You run away from God. You can't be cleansed. You've got to go and confess it to him. Look at, Father, I've done this. And he'll cleanse you and forgive you. The devil can just take a hike. You know what I mean? but he's accusing 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 look to the Lord trust in the Lord believe in Jesus Christ read your Bible and pray and draw nigh unto him Yep, it's the best place to be let's get back into this and uh, prevailed not uh, verse 8 the devil prevailed not neither was there place found any more in heaven so this future time at, this, at the midway point of that last seven years which we call the tribulation and that uh, the devil is gonna mean, be a battle in heaven the devil's kicked out no more going before God no more uh, accusing the brethren he's kicked out kicked out down to the earth and this is a key thing this is one of the main points here there's war in heaven Michael and the eight his holy angels battle with him Michael wins, the devil's cast out, he loses the battle, he's cast out, he prevailed not, he's not strong enough, there's no place in heaven, he can't accuse the brethren anymore. Uh, Verse nine, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Now, I want to just take a rabbit trail here for a minute. We'll get back into this in just a second. You've probably heard, or you've been taught, and so on and so forth. That in the Garden of Eden, as God made things and made mankind, you have Adam and Eve in the garden, and the devil comes along, and uh, there's this serpent, this talking snake. Okay, that's not correct. You say, oh no, it must be because everybody teaches that. Yeah, I know, but that's not what the Bible says. Do you think that? Adam and Eve in the garden, and they're walking around in the garden, and there's a snake talking. Wouldn't you say, Whoa, that's weird. <laughs> that's not normal. It's not a snake. Look at right here what, it, what the devil is called. He's called the old serpent, the devil, and Satan. Now, what I want you to do is write down Ezekiel 28. That's Ezekiel chapter 28. Verses 12 to 17, you can go study this after, okay? In there, the Lord, we have um, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel is given this prophecy unto the king of Tyre. And then, oftentimes, you see, people in the Bible, are, they picture something else. He talks about the king of Tyre, talks about him, and some bad things about him. And then it says, Thou was in Eden. Was the king of Tyre back in the Garden of Eden? No, because it's a picture of the devil. He's talking about the devil himself. He says, thou wast in Eden. The devil was in Eden. And then he goes on to describe what he looked like in his original, as he was created. He was the number one cherubim, the covering cherub, cherub, one of the guardians of God's holiness. A beautiful-looking creature, and it talked about the precious stones and how he looked and everything. He says, "You were in garden, in the garden of Eden, in that, I mean, your original state. See, he hadn't been cursed yet. He hadn't been changed into that horrible thing that he is now. To teach the children and others that uh, they, it was a, it was a serpent. No, it wasn't. It is the serpent, the devil." Read Ezekiel 28, 12, 17. He was in the garden in his glory and he was uh, trying to trick Eve. Adam and Eve have seen him before. He was one of God's top men, as it were, top angels, top cherubim. My point is that read what the Bible says. If, some, if we teach or are taught something and we find in the Bible that that doesn't jive then you have to kick that thing out and accept what the scriptures say. It's what the Bible says. It's our final authority on all things. But let's get back to this. I have to watch my time again. I heard it beep last time. It's a good time. Okay. Um, uh, the great red dragon has cast out that old serpent and the devil. And look what it says there, uh, who deceives, deceiveth, and that's a past tense, deceived the whole world. The devil's a, Going about, he's deceiving people today, isn't he? If you look at the things that are happening in our world today, um, look at some of the foolish things that are taking place, and some of the violent things that are taking place, and some of the immoral things and such. These people are being fooled. Yeah? Read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, how the devil takes away from people's hearts when the gospel that comes to them. He wants them to be... Um, oblivious to the light of the gospel check it out that's what he does that word deceived there means to has the idea of lying and tricking it means to mislead it means to cause to go astray he's trying to cause people to go astray from God and the things of God why? because he hates people he hates mankind because he's jealous because we were made in the image of God and for the believers, Christ lives right inside there. He really hates us, and he wants. Doesn't matter if you're a believer or you're an unsaved person. The devil be working, trying to get your way. Okay, but for the believer, you've got God and the things of God on your side. It means to cause to go astray, to lead into error. Check out 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, in the latter times, it says, Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's that going astray, causing them to go into error, leading them away, putting things in your path. Say, oh, that's nice, let's go over this way. And, yeah. The world today is deceived. The end times, and we are in the end times. And there's a lot of deception. You read um, Matthew chapter 24 when the Lord Jesus and the disciples were coming out of the temple and that. And they were showing him, look at this marvelous temple and all this stuff. And, and uh, the Lord's telling them about uh, when he comes back and, and uh, um, all these stones are going to be cast down and all that. And they say, when's this going to take place? What's the sign of all this? And the first thing he says before he answers those questions, he says, you take heed that you are not deceived. It's going to be one of the things of the end times. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, about uh, what's called the rapture or the gathering of Jesus Christ's people to him, and he comes in the clouds. Remember? It says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin is revealed. Deception in the end times. Deception all around about us. Read your Bible know your Bible, you, you, if you understand what the scriptures say you'll recognize deception, you won't be fooled. Okay. Anyways, let's go on, uh, continue on, verse 9. Um, the devil was cast into the earth, cast down into the earth. Okay. So you get the picture, there was war in heaven, devil loses, cast out, there you go, down to the earth. You want to rule? Hey, have at it, there you go. It was a punishment for him. You're done. No more access to the throne room of God. You're cast down. Back in the Garden of Eden, God cursed him after he dealt with Adam and Eve, and he dealt with the devil too, and cursed him, and he became something other than what he was. He was a beautiful creature before. He became some horrible beast, a red dragon. He's called the serpent. Okay, Horrible thing. Isn't it interesting today that generally people have an aversion to serpents? I don't like them. I don't like anything about them. I think that's a natural thing. Because it's a picture in nature. It's a picture of the devil. They are all snakes evil. Well, if you ask me, I think so. I don't like them at all. Okay. Some people don't like spiders and such. But anyway, you may not agree with that, but nonetheless. Let's go on to verse 10. So you get the idea of what's happened here. And I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So in heaven there will be rejoicing. He's booted out, eh? But note this, because there's a great contrast happening here. In heaven they're rejoicing. Now remember, we read about the seventh trumpet will be one of the, it was the third woe upon the inhabitants. But look at what it says. Um, where are we at here? I should put my glasses on so I can see better. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> Accuser of the brethren. Uh, accusing the believers of sin. We, we went over that already. Jesus Christ paid for our sins. He's cast down. I, accused day and night. See Job chapter 1, verse 11. Uh, they, the brethren, uh, the believers, the Christians, <clears throat> overcame the devil to be victorious over. Overcame by the blood of the Lamb the blood of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 20, check it out, it's called the blood of God. That's the only thing that will wash away your sins, that sacrifice of Christ on Calvary, shedding his blood for your sins. There he is, there he was on the cross. For for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the whole world, it took God to pay that price, and he did, and shed his blood. The sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, paid the price of all our sins. Trust in him. Receive him. Believe in him. Put your faith in Jesus Christ you'll be saved. Check out Luke chapter 22, verse 20. Jesus, they call the Last Supper, and he's instituting this Lord's table. In Luke 22 and 20, he says, this is the new Covenant in my blood. It says that in uh, verse 11 that the believers, excuse me, the believers, uh, I was checking my time here, I got five minutes. Um, The believers overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, their witness, the fruit of salvation. So we can see from that, we just take a, a an application for ourselves yes we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ we are that's the way you're saved by it by that's how your sins are washed away you're trusting in Christ but a thing that naturally takes place and uh, and happens when you first got saved you went around telling everybody about Jesus you probably did that's the, the, one of the things that happens speak up stand up for for the Lord Jesus notice here that this is part of the overcoming of the enemy stand up and speak up speak jesus Christ's name tell somebody about him this is part of your victory and what brings victory it encourages you and strengthens you it might encourage somebody else too somebody said one time that the best kept secret secret in the world is christianity because believers just don't speak up they're not saying they're not standing up they're not speaking up it's part of our overcoming isn't it and there's a third thing it says referring to these ones at that time now remember the believers had been taken off the earth and the 144,000 were there to minister to and they saw Jesus coming in the clouds and all that the Jewish people and out of them there would be a a large amount of them would believe in Christ okay and it says those at that time it says they loved not their lives unto the death. You've got the, the devil's coming down, and he's going to be in the, in the Antichrist, and he's going to persecute, and he's going to, it's going to be horrible havoc upon the earth at that time. And he'll put them to death, and they'll be martyred. But to stand up for Jesus, even if it means that you will lose your life, For believers in Jesus Christ, keep this in mind, death was something that people feared. Uh, Hebrews chapter two, I think it's verse nine, that the devil holds the fear of death over people. But now if you're saved, you're born again. Death is your servant to usher you into the presence of God. Isn't that an amazing thing when you think of it that way? It's not something to be feared. It becomes your servant. It becomes something to help you. To get you. It just opens that door. It is a door into the presence of God. And then a believer dies. Instantly into the presence of God. Their spirit. Isn't that an amazing thing? Saved a wretch like me. So we see the. Um, they love not their lives unto the death. Now verse 12. Look at this. Therefore. When you see a therefore you have to look and see what the therefore is there for it means because of all these things that went on just before we have this thing happening okay verse 12 therefore rejoice so there's rejoicing in heaven okay the devil's cast down believers are victorious Uh, ye heavens and ye that dwell there so there's rejoicing in heaven for its inhabitants but woe upon the inhabitants of the earth you have that contrast Rejoicing in heaven, you're going to have such a woeful time, those that are on the earth, the inhabitants of the earth, because the devil has come down to you. He's come down to your doorstep. Having, look what it says, great wrath. Now that word wrath right there is the idea of fury. He's absolutely infuriated. It's an explosive rage. This is the third woe. This is the woe. And when we get to, this is the setting it up, when we get to chapter 13, the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet, and the 666 and that, that is the third woe. Okay, That's it there. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. He's furious. He's in a rage because he knows, look what it says there, verse 12, that he knows that he has but a short time left. Just a short time left. And what time? How much time? Three and a half years. And Jesus Christ will come back near the end of that. And chapter 20, the devil will be cast in the lake of fire and all that stuff. No, the devil won't be. He'll be he'll I'm sorry. Chapter 20, he'll be locked up in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Yeah, I was thinking uh, later on. But he's furious. This is the second half. Of the 70th week of Daniel begins. Okay. So verse 13, the devil is really in a rage. But we'll look at verse 13. When the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Okay? That is Israel. Again, it's not Mary. It doesn't fit. It's Israel. Context is everything. Okay? He's in a rage. He wants to go and fight with He wants to destroy. He wants to get back at God by getting at God's people. But we see in verse um, wait a minute, verse 13. It says uh, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. That's the remnant. If you go back to um, chapter chapter 11, verse 13, talks about the remnant in of Israel. Jewish people. In verse 14, "...and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle." Now, is it actually going to be that, that Israel is going to sprout some wings and fly? These are pictures. These are descriptive things, kind of like parable sort of things. You put one thing beside to describe another. The Bible says that Jesus is the door to heaven. Is he actually a door? No. It's a picture of something. It's to describe something. It's things that we can understand easily in our mind is the idea of it's going to fly away it's going to be protected it's going to have the the wings of an eagle okay to a place of safety for three and a half years she's nourished for a time of times and a half time there's that three and a half years from the face of the serpent which is the devil which is the dragon Verse 15, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after do it Now these are pictures again. These are things that John saw. This is what it looks like, what he's going to do. This persecution is like a flood. That he might carry away the woman, carry away Israel. And the earth help the woman. There will be those that will help. There will be uh, protection for them. There'll, some will be, uh, I guess there will be some, maybe not all, are, are taken away to this place in the wilderness. You read um, Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats. Now I think Matthew 25 is describing the aftermath of this, after the Lord comes back and judges. And some of the people on the earth at that time will help the Jews, the believers, Israel at that time. You go check it out, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. That's what it's talking about here. The earth helps and the flood is swallowed up. Remember these are signs, these are pictures of things, descriptive things. Verse 17, now the wrath, the devil, it says here in verse um, 17, he was wroth. Now when we look in our Bibles we have the word, we have the word anger and we have the word wrath. There's two different words used there basically um, that we want to just look at for a minute. The one we looked at is earlier when the devil was cast out of heaven that's the one. This uh, um, this wrath. This is that explosive fury. This this just wants to destroy everything. The other one, right here in verse 17, it's a different one. This anger is a smoldering anger. It's like I'm gonna get revenge. It's just it's not explosive. Don't blow up and go crazy. It's just smoldering. I'm gonna get even. You know, like that. There's a difference there. So we see that because he's going to try and get his his way, get even beginning in chapter 13, the woe. See, this is all setting up chapter 13. Okay? So Israel is going to be, and any believers, uh, if there's Gentile believers at that time, uh, or Jewish believers, they're going to be persecuted and such. And, uh, Ones who believed in Christ. Well, look what it says, verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman who went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, when people read the commandments, they immediately think of the Ten Commandments, and they say, "See, you have to keep the Ten Commandments to be saved." That's not what it means. Write down again and look it up. 1 John 3:23. That's 1 John 3:23 talk about the first commandment of God that what he wants people to do the first thing he commands is to believe in his son Jesus Christ and read John chapter 6 verse 29 the same thing the first commandment the thing that God wants people to do is believe on his son Jesus Christ so what you're seeing here in verse 17 is not two separate things keep the commandments um, and the testimony of Christ it's one thing the first commandment that God gives for for the, for the believers, is, or for the, the world, is to believe in Christ and have the testimony of Christ. So we see the stage is being set. The stage is set up. Uh, the introduction for the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, the 666, chapter 13, the midway point has come. So chapter 12 sets that up, that war in heaven the devil's cast out. He's really ticked off. He will be really angry, furious. Comes down to this earth, and his man, the Antichrist, who has been on the earth at this time, he's revealed it back. He's the rider on the white horse. He's involved in those wars. He was involved in that false peace at the beginning, and so on. He's involved in persecution of people already. But now he's going to want to be set up as God Himself. He wants to be worshipped as God Himself. Remember, he said, I will, way back in um, um, where I mentioned earlier about the I wills of the devil. He says, I will be as the most high. So you take those things and you see the importance of writing down the uh, references, okay? Because there's so many verses that describe and give us more information. And that's how you study your Bible, line upon line, precept upon precept, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amazing thing that we are here looking into the future, the future of the earth, the future of some individuals. If you're saved, give thanks. Praise God. If you're not saved, you better run to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. He loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. the scriptures that's the message of God for you today thank you for your time thank you for your attention read chapter 13 it begins that uh, that thing people are talking today about oh this and that's the mark of the beast and such no it's not not yet one thing believers are still here okay and we won't be here to see these things a lot of things to think about a lot of things to look at but uh, Do your homework, uh, read through, compare the scriptures, pray, read your Bible, look to the Lord, stand up. It's our victory. Let's claim it. Let's live for the Lord. Thank you for your time. Um, See you next time. But uh, Lord bless you. Thank you. Bye.